Good morning. Get myself situated up here for a minute. Thankful for everyone that's here this morning. Special welcome to uh, members and uh, guests that are joining us this morning. I know some family is still in town and there's folks that are online that are worshiping with us this morning with their families out of town. And so it's great to be with you this morning and I'm, I'm thankful uh, to be able to open the scripture with you again this morning. Uh, we are leaving 2020, friends. <laughs> Thought there'd be an applause right there. We are leaving 2020, friends. <laughs> Uh, with that uh, comes a new year. Uh, there's a lot of, for, all, for many of us in this room, there's a standing in front of the mirror and thinking through goals and careers and recalibrating and, and what the hopes and desires are for this coming year. Um, but as I was preparing this message, I, I didn't want to necessarily make this about 2020 or 2021. Instead, I wanted to make it about Jesus and I wanted to make it about us following Jesus into a new year, into 2021. Um, but before we get all the way there, I wanted to stop. And as I was thinking through 100 years from now, I, I was wondering to myself, what would textbooks, if that's what kids are learning out of then, or something probably better than an iPad at that point in life, 100 years from now, that would be us looking back at 1920, okay, perspective, long time ago. Hundred years from now, not many of us, Karis might be the only one that's still alive. She's got a shot at it. Um, but outside of that, what would be words that describe 2020 as people are learning about this great pandemic that went through the world? Um, what would kids in the U.S. be learning about uh, political and racial reconciliation and conversations that had been taking place in 2020? A uh, couple words that I thought might be used would be uncertain or frustrating, powerless. At times it was inconvenient, out of control. There was hate, there was division, there was freedom, there was perspective. It's a lot to take in, but as we pull out of 2020 and we turn our sights towards 2021, the two questions I want to leave with you this morning, I want us to marinate on and to, to chew on and then to go and, and, and think through, are these two questions, where are you? And who are you becoming? Where are you? And who are you becoming? I think those are two really beneficial questions to ask as we walk into a new year. Where am I? Let's take inventory. Where am I physically, mentally, spiritually, relationally? Wh who am I becoming? Spiritually, physically, relationally, mentally. Who am I becoming? You know, you may be walking into 2020. A couple, uh, uh, a couple ways you might be coming into the year might look something like, I'm full of worry. I'm full of doubt. I'm anxious. I'm scared. I'm moving forward, but I just feel numb and emotionless. I don't have much excitement in my life. I don't have much hope in my life. You might be relying on going, if I just smile more, I'll be happier. Or if I just think more positively about things, I'll be happier. 
Or you maybe are getting to the end of your rope, your wit's end, and you're going, there has to be something more than the life that I'm living right now. There has to be something more than my life's experiences. And wherever you're coming in to 2021, I want to give you encouragement because God's Word speaks to exactly where you're at. And this morning, as we chose to to preach out of John 15, we're going to talk about these questions of who are we becoming and where are we at currently? Jesus addresses this in John 15, and He's going to lay it out for us today. But however you're coming in, whether you are a follower of Jesus Christ or you are a skeptic of Jesus Christ, or you just don't even want to think the thought of Jesus Christ being real, however you're coming into this message this morning, the truth is that God's Word speaks light and truth into exactly the place you sit this morning. And with that, let's look at John 15. I actually added verse 11 before um, or after everything was printed, so this is on me that you don't have verse 11 printed in your bulletin. If you have your Bible, you can open up to John 15. If you want to use the bulletin, it's on page 4. And we're going to read these first 11 verses of John 15 together as we take a look at where are we and who are we becoming as we turn into a new year. Jesus is speaking to His disciples, and actually John, the one who wrote this, was sitting there as Jesus was telling them this. So this is eyewitness material of Jesus sharing this truth with His friends. He says this in verse 1, I am the true vine, and my father, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, He prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me, my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples." As the Father has loved me, so, I have, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Friends, this morning I want to just pull out three headings of this text, and then we're going to kind of work through them. I'm going to give a little bit of a summary, and then we'll we'll really kind of tackle these three headings. Um, The largest one, the one we're going to spend the most time on, is this heading, abiding. Abiding. Okay, we're going to spend some time on abiding. 
The second one is pruning. Pruning. And the third one is the fullness of joy. The fullness of joy. Um, and like I said, let me give you a little bit of a setup of an overview summary um, to get the roles and who's in what seat as Jesus is describing this image of a vine and branches and fruit. And then we'll jump into abiding as our first heading this morning. But the first one is, is Jesus gives us this, this uh, overview, this image of a, of a grapevine. That might be a little foreign to some of us growing up in the southeast. Uh, but if we were in different parts of our country, but different, definitely um, in the Middle East and Israel at this time, this was a well-understood example. Um, maybe for us it would be something more like a pine tree or an apple tree or an orange tree. But we're talking about uh, Jesus being the vine. And, and as we think of a tree or we think of a, a vineyard, the vine is where the nutrients in the life source is. It brings fullness of joy to the branches, and those branches out of the nutrients that are filled in produce what they naturally were made to produce, and that is the fruit of that tree. We have a living relationship with the vine. Jesus is pointing this out that as we are connected to Him, we have a relationship with the vine and we actually belong to Him. Okay, so Jesus sets up that He is the vine and He says that we're the branches. Like I said, I'm going to just run through these three, the vine, the branches, and the vine dresser before we jump into what it means to abide. But we are the branches. What are branches for? For bearing fruit. Alright, a tree is useless if it doesn't bear fruit. And they don't think, fruit doesn't think about how do I bear this fruit? An apple tree doesn't sit and then and a, a budding apple doesn't go, gotta be an apple. It naturally becomes an apple. Why? Because it was made to connect to the vine and produce nutrients to form said fruit. The apple or the orange. We can't, a uh, branch can't bear its own fruit. It's, it's dependent. And what Jesus is saying is, we are dependent on the vine. Our attachment to the vine is a union and a dependence that we cannot do anything apart from that. If you think about the idea of a branch cut off from a vine or a branch cut off from a tree. Whether I, I would do this in Young Life Talks, Alex, I believe, has done this too, but when we're talking about sin, we're talking about sin being being uh, spiritually separated from the vine, from the life source. We were created to know God and to enjoy Him forever. But in our rebellion, we have turned to God and we've said we will do life our way, how we see fit. And when that happens, this spiritual union has been broken from the vine and we, the branch, have been separated. And if I was to go out there and cut down a pine branch, uh, that has life, I bring it in here, it's green as can be. And I asked, is this branch living? It looks green. It's got the, all the effects, it's got maybe some sap on it and whatnot. You would look and you would say, no, it's not living. Why? Because it's been separated from the life source. Much easier illustration would be to pick up the branch that fell off a couple weeks ago. It's dead, it has no foliage on it. 
we would look at that and we would say, of course, that branch is dead. But the reality is, so is the one that looks green. Because it's been pulled away, cut off, and severed from the life source. And so Jesus is making sure we understand this about the branches, that the branches, for them to live, they have to be connected to the vine. Finally, we have the, the vine dresser, which, who Jesus says is God our Father. Well, what does a vine dresser do? It cares for the vines. Its job is to prune and care and love and shape the vines. And at times, like I said, prune and clip away at it to, to build a better and best crop. I was reading up on vineyards. Anybody read up on vineyards this week? I did. Um, Vineyards today, do you know that uh, vineyards today will train a vine dresser, they call a primer, will train this person for up to three years before they let him go into the vineyard and tend to the vines. Why? Because the risk of doing it wrong could be a disaster for the whole crop. So Jesus says that our Father is the vine dresser, and we're going to talk a little bit more about how the Father prunes us in a moment. So that leads us into this first heading this morning. Point number one is the abiding, and like I said, we'll spend most of our time here. If you're anything like me, you hear Jesus share this teaching, and you go, okay, I want to abide. I want that. How do I know if I'm abiding? Well, abiding definition-wise from Webster says it's, it's the act to act in accordance with or to accept. That means to abide. Maybe your Bible, you might have an NIV Bible and it uses the word remain. That's a little more um, probably familiar to us. The word remain, that definition is to continue to exist, especially after others have ceased to exist. Abiding is this, this permanence this steadfastness, this this clinging to and also being clung to. It's this remaining, this acting in accordance with. Well, how do we abide? That's the question that pops into my mind as I read Jesus' words and 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 He talks about abiding in Him and I go, well, how do I do that? And Jesus does tell us how to do that. Let me give you some practical ways that we see in Scripture what it means to abide in Jesus. Who are we becoming? This is what Jesus says, to abide in Him. It looks like this. It looks like worship. It looks like coming to service on a Sunday morning. And it looks like greeting and loving the people around you. And it looks like quieting your heart. And as Alex said this morning in the call to worship, to look to, to God and to begin to worship. It, it's focusing our heart on the King of our lives. That's what it looks like to abide. So to worship. Another practical way we abide in Jesus is we read our Bibles. We, we look at this book and we realize this isn't just a book with words. This is actually God being written out on a page. That this is God's Word to us. That this is an ordained Word that God has spoken 
through chosen men to write these words down to speak to us and tell us who God is, what He's like, who we are, what we're like, and where life really is found. That we'd open up our, our Bibles and we'd find ourselves mesmerized by the Word of God. That the Creator of all things would write us a love letter to show us what life is all about. Abiding in, in Christ means to pray. It means to communicate to God who's given us ability to talk to Him. And it means to serve and sacrifice by loving others. Maybe this is one of the hardest things that we as sinners deal with, is learning to love people as, our, as we love ourselves. Is learning to, to step off the throne of our lives and to allow Jesus to sit in the rightful place in our lives on the throne and for us to love others as He has loved us. That's what it looks like to abide in Jesus. And as we do, we have a deeper love for Christ. We have a deeper love for each other. Things that annoy and frustrate and hurt and bother us don't seem to strike the same chord. Not that we don't get mad and not that there's not a righteous frustration or anger, but that we have an opportunity and a desire in our hearts to be for other people as we point them to Jesus. We experience joy, and we're going to talk about that in the last point, but we experience joy past just simply happiness, but a real satisfaction. When we abide, those are some ways of how we abide, but when we abide, let's Let's look at that for a minute. When we abide, the Father is glorified. I don't know if we really think about that. When we obey, the Father is pleased. Now, Alex gave an example um, in talking about his girls today, and there's many parents in this room, and you realize this. When your children obey you, there is happiness. You are thankful. You are you, you are full of love and joy, and that's us as sinful human beings that don't always, maybe we sometimes say the right things, but don't always do the right things with our kids and our parenting, or maybe we do the right thing, but don't always say the right thing, but we're talking about a perfect God, and as we obey God, as we abide in Him, as we talked about, the Father is glorified, and our hearts are aligned with His purposes. Um, I don't know if you've ever lifted weights or you've ever done anything that is just hard to do. There's just resistance in it. Whether it's physical resistance or mental resistance, something that's hard. It's probably good to do hard things every now and then. But as you do something that's hard, it's miserable at first. And you have a mental battle that rages of like, am I going to get up and do this tomorrow? Am I going to do this again? Will I do this again? And what happens as you begin to attack something that's hard, you begin to understand that sometimes at the, at the very far extreme, you really begin to enjoy it, but at the minimum, your body gets used to it. 
your mind gets used to it. And you, in the case of following God, you begin to enjoy it. As you experience joy and as your heart is aligned with God as you're abiding in Him, His purposes become the things that you enjoy. Do you understand that? The things of God, the things that matter to God become the things that matter to you. They become the things that actually give you energy and life. They're the rich things of life, the full things of life. Well, we're going to spend a little bit of time on this because I I would imagine this is what caught a lot of people's eyes as we read John 15, is that when we abide in Jesus, we produce fruit. We produce fruit. And there's several ways that the Bible describes spiritual fruit. I want to give you maybe a handful of them so we can understand because in our society, in 20th century uh, America, or or 2020 America, um, westernized country, consumerism-driven, bigger, faster, better. The world we live in, when we hear fruit, we definitely, our mind probably goes to results. What's the bottom line, Steve? If you remain in me, you'll bear fruit. We tend to think that's, that's results. That's data in, data out. Show me the numbers. But that's actually, uh, that's not a biblical concept. And that's not the concept Jesus is putting forth here. Jesus isn't talking about numerical fruit of a, of a, a believer making converts right here. He's, he's saying those are results. What I'm talking about is the process of bearing fruit. Machines, computers, they can produce results. They can produce data as we tend to look at results. But bearing fruit means cultivation. It means time. It means care. It's not an overnight process. And so, let me give you uh, a handful of spiritual uh, ways in the Bible that, that talk about spiritual fruit, and then we'll land on the one in context where what Jesus is really pushing forth when he says you'll bear fruit. And in uh, Romans 1, Paul does talk about spiritual fruit being winning others to Christ. Sharing our faith. John 4, Jesus talks about the the workers of the harvest. Sharing our faith. Producing fruit. But in Romans 6, Paul talks about spiritual fruit is, is growing in holiness. In obedience to God. That that's seen as spiritual fruit. In Romans 15, Paul says that giving to others into the church, that being generous with money and gifts and talents is how you bear spiritual fruit. In Galatians 5, Paul talks about the fruit of the Spirit. He gives the character that glorifies God and and actually points um, others to Jesus and makes Jesus real in others' lives because they see this Christ-like character inside of you. Colossians 1 talks about good works and service is what bears fruit, or is the bearing of fruit is good works and service. And finally, in Hebrews 13, uh, the author of Hebrews says that the praise of our hearts and our lips is fruit to God. There's 
There's several different ways that the New Testament handles spiritual fruit, and I want you to see those because I want you to understand that, that um, as we look deeper into John 15, he, Jesus is looking in the context, if you look at John 13 and you look at John 15, what Jesus is talking about here is, is probably closer to Galatians 5 out of all the examples I gave, but it, but it encompasses all the spiritual fruit that I gave. It refers to a Christ-like life being produced by the Holy Spirit rather than a, the number of converts being made by a believer. So the disciples are sitting there and Jesus is teaching them, I am the life, I am the vine, you are the branches, my Father is the vine dresser, and as you remain in me, as you abide in me, as you, as you um, abandon your life to me and, and, and are attached to me, branch to vine, you will bear fruit. And what is that fruit? It's a Christ-like character in life. It is the inside of you being transformed into the image, more and more into the image of Jesus. And as this happens, we love God. As this happens, we love others. He says, you'll prove to be my disciples as you obey me. Well, what are the commands that he gives us? He tells us this. Jesus is asked, he says, what's the greatest command? You know this scripture, right? What is the greatest commandment, Jesus? And Jesus says, to love the Lord your God with all, all that you have. All your heart, strength, soul, mind, spirit. To love the Lord God. To love the Lord your God with all that you have, all that you are. And then Jesus says, the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. And he says that all the law and the prophets hinge on these two commandments. To love God with all that you have and to love others as you love yourself. Jesus even goes a step further than maybe you and I go, I don't love myself that much, so that gives me a free pass not to love others. Jesus says, takes it a step further and says, love others how I've loved you. And so as we remain in Jesus, we understand that it's about obeying His commandments. And what are His commandments? It's to love Him and to love others. And as we love Him and love others, we have this inexpressible joy that changes our lives from the inside out and aligns us with who He is and His purposes. I read this by an author that I thought was wonderful. I wanted to share it with you. I hadn't even thought about it like this. But he said um, we're, it was in the context of evangelism. And when I say love one another, you might go, well, I'm nice to people but I want to take a big word that sometimes in church we get scared of, evangelism, and I want to put this inside of this, what I think is, in a way, it's synonymous with the phrase, love one another. What if evangelism meant to you walking, alive, walking along someone else in love? What if evangelism wasn't just for the people in the church that were bold enough to say something or courageous enough to go somewhere. What if evangelism looked like this? 
I love God, therefore I love you because you were made in God's image. And I will walk alongside of you and I will point you to Jesus as we discuss life and the big questions that come with it. And this is what the author said that made this, this idea of loving others not just simply being something nice we do, but, but a, a way of pointing them to Jesus is the author said, the fruit that the branches bear are not for the branch. The fruit is not for the branches. It is for others to eat. It's not produced to please you. It's produced to serve others. What a beautiful picture. That as you abide in me, you will bear fruit. And that fruit is to feed others spiritually with our words and our actions. What a beautiful picture. If Grace Presbyterian, we left this morning and we said the fruit that God is producing in me through the Holy Spirit is for those outside and inside of this church to eat. Through my actions and through my words, I give them this fruit that I'm bearing. Well, friends, we're going to turn and, and head towards the end of our, our sermon together this morning as we do the last two points rather quickly. And it's not because they're not important, but the, this idea of abiding is something that I think we might all struggle with a bit. And I wanted to give you some good understanding of what that looks like practically and what it looks like spiritually in us. But we turn to pruning. This is the Father's work. This is the vine dresser. This is the one that is taking care of the vine and the branches. And uh, some of you guys know I'm a daughter, or a daughter, <laughs> I'm a father of three daughters. There's a lot of things in life with girls. My oldest is now 14. And there's a lot of things in a little girl's life up to a teenager now that I realized that as a male, I did not experience growing up. One of those things are split ends. I don't know if you've ever heard of split ends. It's uh, apparently when you're growing your hair out long, you cut it shorter to get it longer. We following that concept? All right, so... Um, I one time tried to cut, uh, grow my hair out. My football coach made me cut it, which kind of bummed me out because it was really cool in the 90s to have longer hair. But I would have probably somewhat been faced with this to get it longer, but to grow your hair out long, you have to cut it up an inch every now and then to get to the healthy strand, part of the strand, and the dried up, split end, unhealthy part of the hair that you would logically go, it just needs to keep growing down you would cut it and, get, and make it shorter to actually accomplish the purpose of making it longer. Isn't it cool that God designed our human hair to work the same way as a grapevine? <laughs> because in producing the best part of a grapevine, the best fruit, you have to prune it back to make it grow more. You have to be willing to prune it down and to cut it shorter and to remove sometimes even the healthy part of the vine. Not just the dead wood, not just the part that has, 
insects infect, infestation, but you have to sometimes cut the flesh of the vine to the healthy part for it then to grow and to be healthier and to grow deeper and fuller and wider. In a way, you have to cut the good part of it to get to the better and the best part of it. But why? Doesn't that hurt? One author said it this way, why does, why does God prune us? Doesn't that seem like it's hurting us? It's cutting us back. And one author this week said that if the branches could talk, they would say the pruning hurts. Yes. Many of us in this room have felt the Father's hand prune us in our lives. Maybe we've lost something we've really loved. Maybe we've experienced something really really hard and felt very desperate and we weren't sure why. It didn't feel like it was something that needed to be cut out. It was a good thing. But as we look back over time, we realize that the Father knew what He was doing all along. And so this author says, does it hurt? Yes. But he says, but then the branches would also rejoice because they will be able to produce more and better fruit. Another author said, the greatest judgment God could bring to a believer, the greatest judgment that God could bring to a believer would be to let him or her alone and let him or her have their own way. But instead, he loves us enough to prune us. Go back to the hair for a minute. Well, if God loves us, wouldn't He just let us keep growing long? We're, we're, the, the plan, the goal is to have long hair. Wouldn't it just make sense to keep growing the hair longer and longer and longer? Why cut up and get rid of some of it? That seemingly is good. Because He loves us too much to leave us to our own ways. It was our desire to do life our own way that caused us to be spiritually severed from the vine. And so God in His goodness and in His love, as we celebrated two days ago, puts on skin, comes into the world, as Eugene Peterson says, moves into our neighborhood to bring us back into right relationship with the vine. To seal us, the branch, and perfectly seal us back into the vine so that we exist and receive life the way we were made to receive life. Finally, the fullness of joy. We've spoken about joy and I've brought up the, the reality of obedience. And when I say the word obedient, that's not in our world. I don't know if, if the word obedient was ever a desirable word to any human being in the whole world ever in existence. We like doing stuff our own way. That's what typically has, has brought pain and destruction in our life is the desire that we like to do stuff our own way. And the reality is we think of obedience and we think that obedience leads to hardship and leads to persecution. And we, but obedience in Christ is different. It actually leads to freedom. You 
when God calls us to obedience, to obey His commands, as He says in verse, verse 8, by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples as the Father has loved me, so, I, so, so have I loved you. You are loved as God the Father loves the Son. You are loved by God the same way. That vine, that life source, you experience and get the privilege of sharing that love and life source the same way that Jesus shares it with the Father. What a blessing, what a privilege. And he goes on to say, abide in my love. So remain in it. You get this love, remain in it. Don't run from it. Don't turn away from it. Instead, bask in it. Hold on to it. Love it. Receive it. And Jesus says in verse 10, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. Obedience. If you keep my commandments, obedience leads to, to freedom. It leads to love. It leads to a relationship with God where I am living out exactly the purpose and living out exactly the, the, the desires that I was created to have. Have you ever wanted to be fully satisfied? Where there's nothing else left. Where you push away from the table and you say, I'm done. All my needs are met. All my desires are filled in full of what I was created for. That's Jesus. You can't find that anywhere else because you were created to experience satisfaction and joy to the full when you were created by God's hand in His image to know Him and to enjoy Him forever. The only thing that could bring you joy and satisfaction the thing that you're hardwired for is Jesus. And everything else will fail. Because you weren't made for everything else. You were made to be connected to Jesus. Friends, I'm going to leave you with this picture this morning. I want you to picture a circle and uh, just like a directional arrow that you know, points to the next phase of the circle, next phases, just a round and round. You never get out of this circle. And when I read John 15, I look at it, and I, um, with help of commentaries and Scripture, and I, there's this circle that I think is really helpful for me, and I hope it helps you as we end this sermon. Think of the circle with the directional arrows leading to the next point. Because we love Him, we keep His commands. Okay? Because we love Him, we keep His commands. We keep His commands. As we keep His commands, we abide in His love. As we abide in His love, we experience the fullness of joy. As we experience the fullness of joy, we love Him. Because we love Him, we keep His commands. Do you see it?
because as we keep His commands, we abide in His love. As we abide in His love, we experience the fullness of joy. As we experience the fullness of joy, we love Him. Because we love Him, we keep His commands. It's this this circle of love, the way God um, created us to experience Him and be in relationship with Him when we're connected to the vine This is the life that we're living in. Out of love and obedience leads to freedom and joy, and out of freedom and joy makes us love Him more because we see more of Him. As we walk into 2021, I'd love for you to think about the reality that Jesus is the vine, and you are the branches, and the Father is the vine dresser. And Jesus is calling to you, and He's saying, remain in me. Abide in my love. And I'll leave you with the question, who are you? And who are you becoming? Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this time together this morning to take a look at your word. God, we are so grateful that your word speaks to every centimeter of our life. There, there's nothing there, There's nothing in our life that your word does not speak to because our lives were created to worship you, to know you, to enjoy you, to love you, and to have a living relationship with you. And God, this morning, as we begin to sing our last song in worship, we're reminded that that brings and bears spiritual fruit. And our hearts, Lord, desire to remain in you. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.